This episode was recorded on the 6th of April 2017. I am talking to you now on October 27th, 2018, and it has recently come to my attention that Nimco Ali has made very transphobic comments on Twitter alongside other tweets in which she uh, condemns sex work and sex workers. And I wasn't sure what to do with this episode because, I mean, Nimco is a very important voice in a lot of areas and she has done extraordinary work when it comes to fighting FGM. And also in this episode we didn't discuss trans issues or sex work at all. I would never allow hateful opinions like that onto this podcast. That wouldn't it would not go um unfought. So I'm I'm left with this feeling of uh what do I do? Um, I would never book a transphobe, someone I knew was a transphobic person. I would never book someone I knew was anti-sex work. I, I just don't don't believe in giving those people a, a platform. Um, but that wasn't the situation when I, when I decided to do an episode with Nimco Ali. Uh, I didn't really even know that she was uh, a Tory. She told me that afterwards, and I had mixed feelings about the whole thing. But again. I didn't feel like she'd said anything problematic on the podcast. And as I said, she is an, an important voice in a lot of ways. So I've settled um, with this solution to the problem. It's a disclaimer. I, Sophie Hagen, and the Made of Human podcast support trans rights and sex workers' rights. I will always aim to make sure that the people I talk to on this podcast are not TERFs, which means trans-exclusionary radical feminists, or swerves, sex worker exclusionary radical feminists, which I believe are both inappropriately named terms, seeing as I don't believe that you can call yourself a feminist, and uh, especially not a radical feminist, if you are not fighting for the rights of all women. And that includes uh, sex workers and trans women, who are <laughs> definitely women. So, if you want to turn off this episode now and listen to another one, I completely understand, and I respect that completely. If you do proceed to listen, I hope you'll still be able to enjoy this recording of who we were and what we knew on April 6th, 2017. Hi, my name is Sophie Hagen and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast, or in short, Mopad. It's a podcast in which I speak to nice people about life, about how to do it, how to be a proper human, and if they don't know how to do it, we'll just chat about stuff and feel less alone together, I guess. This week I'm speaking to Nimco Ali, and I will let you listen to our chat in just a tiny bit. First, you need to know that I'm going on tour with my brand new show called uh, Dead Baby Frog. It's uh, this autumn, it'll start and I'll be touring in and I'm about to butcher the names of <laughs> the places I'm going to. I'm sorry. I am going to Peterborough. Someone said it's not pronounced Peterborough. Peterborough, Winchester, Liverpool, Ferrum, Coventry, Swindon, Leeds, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Norwich, Kendal, Milton Keynes, Bath, Aldershot, Maidenhead, Newcastle, Newport, Leicester, Manchester, Oxford, Bristol, Hull, Bromsgrove, Bromsgrove, hmm. Stockton, Cambridge, Colchester, or Colchester, 
New Milton, Reading, Whitehaven, Aberystwyth, Aberystwyth, Wales, just say Wales, Northampton and Canterbury. I'm also taking the show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August, where I will be at the Bethlehem Theatre at 2pm every single day of the Fringe. And it's not a free Fringe show anymore, so you have to buy tickets in advance. Uh, I'm also going to be doing uh, small shows in London. And for tickets to all of these things, go to sophiehagen.com. And whilst you're there, sign up for my newsletter so you get all the hot goss. Is that, how, is that what you say in this country? The gossip, the secrets, and uh, all the details about where I am kicking next. So, quickly, before I let you listen to the actual episode, we will do this week's Acts of Disobedience. This week's listener is called Lee, and this is what they wrote. Hey, I'm a member of North London Sisters Uncut, and on Saturday we, rec- we reclaimed Holloway Prison and turned it into a community centre for women, non-binary people and children. The police standoff, imagine using that sentence, the police standoff lasted 10 hours, but we refused to leave, and now we are running workshops and well-being, and well-being sessions for the community rather than letting an empty space sit unused until it gets sold to luxury flat developers. Holy shit. Imagine using the police standoff in a sentence about your life. Uh, you can submit your own act of disobedience on madeofhumanpodcast.com, where you can also buy a Mopad t-shirt. Imagine that. Uh, that's all for this intro. Um, you're about to listen to uh, one heck of a hero. <laughs> like It's just a proper superhuman being. Uh, please enjoy this episode with the incredible Nimco Ali. talking to some girl the other day and I was like honestly she came on Twitter just to specifically tell me I was a sicko what? I thought I said, I said you know what I said will you stop stalking me because you don't follow me so why would you she said, she said how do you know I, I don't follow you did you just look through your followers I'm like no I just clicked on your fucking profile you <laughs> idiot <laughs> so, 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 so yeah so it's really good to see like you know, why are you like some random person from like Timbuktu tweeting me telling me I'm a slag I'm like thanks Wow, imagine taking that, that, yeah. that much time the, but, the, but this is what, sometimes I just think, it's like you've, you've literally just taken the whole time out of your day to tweet yeah. me. It's like, fuck you. Well, but also, I've, I'm noticing now that that's a conversation I have with almost all of my guests. Like, I almost always talk about trolling. Yeah. Because I have the, the guests I have are all people who trolls deem worthy of their negative attention. Yeah. And it's just, what is it? But it's just like, it's just so, it's just like such a, like a weird underbelly. And I'm just, and, and it's weird who he comes from because I was saying, I was having this conversation with an, another thing and I don't think um, that podcast got out as much, but a lot of it is actually from like young Somali girls or young black women oh, yeah? from a specific kind of, like the demographic who kind of identifies a pan african i don't know what the, so they just seem to think that because i've worked a lot with tories and because i've talked about fgm and because i talk about a specific part of somaliland in, in terms of my politics of where i come from that i'm some kind of savage and i was thinking oh my god like i actually love you guys there's nothing more than i really just want for you guys just to succeed and, and like you make, so i was just tweeting another one of the um young somali girls and i just thought to myself you know what it's like she, she was doing something and i thought you know what that really makes me proud and that's really cute and she's like oh thank you and i just think you know what? I, I really do love you guys but i just sometimes i just don't fucking get why you don't follow me but you look out for me just to tell me i'm a sicko 
what what what, what so do you do you know what you've yeah yeah, yeah. so i so basically um so i'm from and like the northern part of somali which like you know it's called somalilands I'm for, and, and it's an independent country and then it joined up with somalia to become the republic and then we broke away in 91 so i identify as being from somaliland and they just can't deal with that why? Because, because of the fact that who are you? You region like it's just it's just like it's a kind of a flip side of a nationalism. The fact that yeah, the reason we broke away was the fact that you guys tried to murder us, but now you hate the fact that we broke away. So one of these the, the other day, I said to them, I think it'd be, it'd be, it seems like that, that that you were raised by genocidal maniacs. I was like, oh yeah, maybe you were because it just makes it makes no fucking sense. It's like we broke away because you wanted to murder us because of our tribe, and a lot of people that live there now are like you know predominantly from that tribe. But at the same time, it's not just for that. So you hate it. It's it, like the logic of it. It's just, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what the fuck? Yeah, but even even if that was, like, you didn't personally yeah. cause this. You weren't the person to make sure that you broke away. Exactly. And we. Ha- so why don't you just get on with fixing Somalia and we'll just, like, leave Somaliland alone? And it's just, but sometimes it's just like, like cause, because it's, like, independent country, it's been there, it's been like that for 26 years. It hasn't had one international um, funding or aid or anything else. And last, like, you know, just um, at the end of last year, December, they spent a billion dollars on doing an election in Somalia. So imagine how much that could have actually done for the country and for people. So it's, for me, it's about having those kind of conversations of, well, okay, if it's such a massive issue, just like don't follow me. Don't you don't have to. And, and this is the thing about Twitter: you don't, I you don't need to see what I. You don't have to see what I say, mm. if unless you want to pay attention to it. If you want to pay attention to it, that's great. But if you don't, honestly, just look away. It's fine. It's like I'm not. It's not really going to bother me. So are they? So that that section of hatred is that. So that's just because where you're from. Yeah, yeah. Is that not? And I'm doing this in, in air quotes. Is that not even because of? Your activism and what you speak about. A little bit about that it came from that activism, and it, so it's just kind of it's like multifaceted. It's because of my activism. It's because of the fact that I work with um, the political agencies that I do, so the, the Tory Party, and I give them credit for that. And it's because of where I when I say I'm from. So there's always something that they just don't want to like. You know, they just don't want to like about me. So it's always constantly just, and they just go on, and, and it, it really, really. Do you know what? Until and, and until the end of December, it really used to bother me because I cared about them so much. I was just thinking. But now I just kind of look at it and think, I'm not going to engage with you. Mm. And they're so vicious and they're so personal. And I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. I know I need to lose a bit of weight, but I'm not going to come at you at that. Like, it's just like, it's just so unnecessary. And there's just like a lot of like really angry people. And then they think that they're, so the way that, um, obviously the way I've done my activism, it has been some kind of angry, but there's also been very strategic and very funny. And I wanted to achieve something. I'm not just angry at the system for being angry at the system. I accept my privileges. I accept the fact that I am of the metropolitan liberal elite. I do, like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I, I want the world to be a better place. Yeah, and for that is, like, I want the world to be a better place, but I don't want rich people to be poor. Do you know what that means? It's like, yeah. I, I want to raise the standards of people that don't have anything, but I don't want to knock down people that have. Like, I don't hate anybody just because of the place or the position that they were born in, but I am very conscious of the position and the place that I was born in and what that can do for other people. So yeah, it's tw- Twitter is a weird place, <laughs> yeah, especially really when is. you're writing a book and you're procrastinating and you spend a lot of time. It's like tweeting shit all the time, but yeah. But the book you're writing is about oversharing. Yeah, no. Basically, it's 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 about it's a it's kind of like the vagina di- the dialogues. So it's about women's first periods, orgasms, pregnancies, and menopause, and actually asking women just to share those things with me. So I say the power of oversharing, the power of saying, oh. Um, 
like my, my period was like so bloody. My um, I had a baby and literally kind of came out of my vagina and I and I don't have a pretty vagina anymore. So those kind of things or those kind of fears or just actually sharing the real conversations. And I really wanted it to. Be, I thought it was going to be funny, and this is how a lot of my life goes. I, I always think it's going to be funny, then it ends up being really serious. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, which is sad because it's my job. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it's just so it's what you being funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, and you go on stage, you go oh. Oh no, <laughs> this but is that, just sad. But you can, but you can make sad stuff funny. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, but you can, you sometimes to you, in your head you go, "Oh, this is going to be so hilarious," and you go up and you see their faces and you go, "Oh no, it's not funny to them yet." Yeah, but what kind of stuff do you? Well, I, it's funny you mentioned the, the period stuff. I once had a period joke that I thought was hilarious, but I think it was too much for people. Okay. And it, the premise was, um, what was something about the. the <laughs> People are going to hate me for this. Um, something about the pride you feel when you, you look into the toilet after a really mm. good period. And you, you're like, this is a big one. And then you kind of feel proud, like, wow. That you, that you this survived. Would have, this would have been a beautiful child. <laughs> like, this would have been a warrior, right? This would have been like a leader of man, right? <laughs> it's a, but, but no, but that's fine to say, but then that, would need, but that also needs sperm, so it's just like oh an yeah, egg, an egg on its own. It's just a bit like it's a bit like a non-sexy omelet. Because I would say um, this is the cool thing about dating white guys is the fact that you just have to add salt and pepper to things, and I think oh that's amazing, like, babe, that's seasoning. So I used to say to think oh do you want some sexy eggs, which was like just basically like eggs with like onions, tomatoes, and a bit of seasoning. So. Um, a period without a period is just basically an egg without any sp- like there's no onions it's like yeah there's you could no have been- onions in my period yeah there's no like yeah. no, there's nothing <laughs> spicy about it so you know but I, do, I, but I do think we can actually like I um, it's one of the women that I interviewed in the book is about having an abortion mm. and the fact that we should be like we should feel um, angry or upset or depressed about having an abortion like some people just like fuck it it's like I don't want to be pregnant yeah in the movies they're always devastated or the fact that they have to have, to have like you know, a moral kind of thing it's like yeah. the whole point is like I don't want to be pregnant. I'm gonna kind of um, yeah. and 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 I remember Diane Abbott um, once saying every abortion is a tragedy, and I thought, wow. No, actually, I thought that's, so, but that's just like it yeah. literally, it's, it's like a missed period. And I just like I say this. Yeah. To, this is my new little comeback to a lot of trolls. And like, honestly, you were such a waste of a period. Like, like somebody fertilized yeah. that bloody egg it could have like you know the, the tampon could have loved you you could have had a beautiful relationship with the tampon so yeah I think I think like you know having conversations about periods is fun yeah yeah I, actually, I feel like it might be a is it a British thing the, the, because I have a lot of friends in Denmark who just casually say oh yeah I had a, an abortion yesterday and it's like a casual almost normal thing yeah, but, I, but I think it should be as well it's the whole point of like you know I had an yeah it's just the, the whole yeah. thing of like having an abortion I'm not having an abortion because I don't really care I would rather you have an abortion than an a child and I think one of the things is um, one of my friends was talking she had um like that really serious there is there's there's another woman being in who's in the book who has like really bad morning sickness mm. like the whole like that thing that kate middleton had um and it's um and then she says like she she's never been more pro-choice until the fact that she wanted this baby she like it was hell but at the same time imagine being forced nine months of your life to be in like this oh torture situation and i think I, I i really just don't um i used to i used to not be interested in what men thought but then i realized actually that men might have experienced more abortions than women have because it's only the abortions that you have that you experience as a woman but as a man especially if you're not very good with taking contraception you could have had several ex- um, abortions in oh. your life 
Yeah, but I guess to... Oh, I had never thought of that. I think with men, would you t- always tell the man? Mm. If it was like a one night stand, but that's but that's the thing. It's like, but they but they don't even know. So the ones oh, yeah. that they know about, and I think you know a lot of the um, like there's no there's no male voices in the book, but there but there has there has been like you know I've had conversations with with my friends who've been really traumatized by the fact that they wanted their girlfriend to keep the baby, and she didn't. And I thought, oh yeah, of course. I, so I've never so I, it's kind of I, I think I think the older I get, the more grey life is getting, which is quite disturbing for me because I was normally black and white about everything. Wow! How so? How so? What else? Like, just like so, so, um, so it's like you know the death penalty. I'm not really pro death penalty, but I do sometimes think some people should have been aborted, and I'm happy to extend abortion to like 35. I think isn't that the philo- when it comes to death penalty, it's kind of the philosophical question of if you, do you, do you kill one man to save ten? But that's tor- that's the torture, like the torture thing. I never, I will never support torture in oh, that no, sense no, no. of like you know the, the the ticking bomb. If there's a if there's a bomb going off um, somewhere, would you torture somebody to get the information? So that's the morality question of the oh, fact wow. that would you save a thousand or would you corrode your society? And I was thinking actually it's better to oh. die with some kind of principle. But because I think that's, oh, that that's is the, a hard one, isn't it? But that's the thing we have to do, like you know the only way that we can beat like you know the far right or extremism and ISIS and all those things is actually just by living better. Yeah. So but by saying the fact that yes, women can have abortions, women can have like you know we're not going to torture, we're not going to do these things. Then yeah. we can, I think that's why. The um, like Denmark, Sweden, all these places are a lot happier because it's just, it's like you know more like you know it's freer. It's that whole kind. I of I do thing. think it's the less shame thing. Yeah, because we're talking about like oversharing and, and talking about the, some of those things. There was, and I, this must sound weird to British people. There was a period of my life where I felt weird because I hadn't had an abortion, because all my friends yeah. had, and I felt like, oh, when when am I going to have my first? And not in a haha funny way, but that was just how it was in my friends. See, that's what Lena Dunham tried to say. In um, in that um, article that, that that she wrote, and she got so much shit. And this is another person that can't really express an opinion which you can't agree with, but mm. at the same time, people just have to go straight at it. And well, what she was trying to say was the I think it was just that whole thing of you would have to because nobody talks about abortions, and she's there at Planned Parenthood and everything else. And what I'm finding with the book and actually talking to a lot of people is that how many people have had abortions, mm. and the idea of the fact that if you have not had an abortion, if you not ha- have had a um, like you know pregnancy scare, but you are sexually active, then ultimately there might be something wrong with your fertility. Oh shit! So yeah. No, because we all assume yeah. that we can get pregnant. And that's one of those yeah. things that like you know that we take it for granted. It's um I don't know why every part of my um life when I have an antidote is always from Sex in the City. But they <laughs> said when Charlotte tries to um get pregnant then she can't and she said, Oh my god, I've been trying not to get pregnant for twenty years of my life and I've never been able to get pregnant. Wow. So it did start like you know, yeah. we are so unaware of our like, you know, fertility. Yeah. It's like it's bizarre. So yeah, the the, the whole idea of can I get pregnant? It's never asked. It's like the whole point of like, oh, I, I shouldn't get pregnant. Wow. So yeah, it's just, I'm like, yeah. it's sorry to shock you. No, about, about, no, that's good. That's good. It, it is, I think it's like, it's about our, like, you know, having, having knowledge of our fertility and um that's one of the things that I was very well concerned about when I started turning to when I when I got into my um, 30s. So I'm 34 now, and it's that thing of like 35 is that big do my eggs like you know um, go like the quality of your egg go, goes goes down and everything else. But I know I can't have a baby unless I'm married because like my mother would have a heart attack and <laughs> I don't, I'm a Muslim. Um, 
but at the same time it's um yeah so it's just that thing so i so i, so I had a um like, like like a fertility mlt on woman's hour and it was one of my things was the fact that can i can i have babies do i have enough and it was the first time in my life that i was actually really petrified about the exam that i was gonna get because i thought this is gonna like how do you make those decisions when you're told that if I was told that so this was like I was 32 um and if I was told that I've got like you know low egg count and if I, if I don't do something about it within the next few years so then what do I do do I start dating in a different way do I like yeah and also how does that like you know how does that affect your um markability you know it's really yeah. weird it's like so if you yeah. say that I'm a I'm a woman that can't have children how does that affect your markability in, in the, like you know when you're when you're out there yeah. the, when you're out there and to and fertility and feminism haven't necessarily always been friends because yeah. we're told like you know but you're a woman you could do whatever you want to do and you're sitting there thinking actually oh, yeah. no biology says I can't do everything I want to do yeah. and that there is a time frame in terms of when I should and I shouldn't have kids yeah so, I guess there's also a difference between being uh, someone who doesn't want kids and someone yeah. who can't have kids in terms of telling that to people yeah because I think I, if you just in air quotes don't want kids from what I hear the, the, the men I've dated they've been like oh you'll change your mind and then we'll do it anyways. Yeah. But if it's no, no, I can't. It'll. I know for a fact it'll never happen. And then they start thinking, oh my god! But then what? Yeah, but it's really weird. It's those. It's those kind of com- com- um, conversations. That's like you know, it was as interesting as like um, the woman who's in the book and who has um, she's allergic to latex. That's oh, that's the, that the funniest because she was found like <laughs> sex really painful, and then she found that she was allergic. To, and I was like, what does that like when you tell guys like you know yeah. like, like you're allergic to latex? She's like. It's always interesting. So it's kind of a look on people's faces that I thought, like, you know, actually, if I ever go dating, I will just say to somebody, oh, yeah, have you got any allergies? Yeah, penicillin and latex. And then then their mind, it's just, it literally is like the FGM conversation. Like, their mind just starts working, thinking, what kind of questions can I ask? What is okay? And you can just see it in their face. And I I said to her, that is literally the whole thing about when you are, like, so public about your life and everybody knows about your vagina and then you're on, like, you know, you go out on a date or you meet somebody for the first time and then I... I'm I'm sorry, I don't don't want to be rude or anything. I don't want to pry, but can I... It's like... So yeah, it's just what like, questions do you get? No, the orgasm one is always the one I get. Like, can women can can I still have an orgasm, or what is sex like, or do I remember? I was going to make a list um, the other day, and um, one of the, the the best one that I recently got was um, we were sitting there, we were having this conversation, and um, and the guy was like, "So why are you um, like why do you do this?" And I said, "Oh, because I had FGM." And he was a very posh guy from Eton. <laughs> he went to Eton, and he was you, and then he said you were FGM'd. I was like, I've never been M'd before. It's never been, like, it was literally, it was so funny. FGM'd. Like, yeah, FGM'd. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, and he said, I'm so sorry, but do you remember? And I said, well, of course. I said, well, it's not really one of the first things that I really want to talk about, but we were just talking about it in a way about, like, you know, the things I do and why, the why. and he asked me why I did it. And I said, because, like, I'm a survivor of FGM. And he's like, my God, you've been FGM'd. So that was quite funny. <laughs> but that's the, that's, that's the only reaction that you can have is, like, to just laugh it off because otherwise it becomes, it becomes too consuming. Yeah. And there must be a, a fine line between... I think it must be difficult for people to understand how you can talk about it openly, but that's not the same as people being Directly allowed to just yes. say, oh, I'll just ask you all these yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. It's the fact that I talk about it because we need to and I, and, and I have to and I want to 
but you don't have the right to ask me those questions. That, 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 um, that yeah. it's, it's just like, that's not, it's not your business. It's just one of those things. It's like, there's such like, you know, there's a lot of voyeurism in that kind of context. Yeah. And also the, the point is like, I talk to certain people because they can do something about it. Yeah. So I don't really understand why I'm talking to you. Like, who are you? Like, you know, <laughs> you're just a random person on the street. I don't need to come and tell you about my experience because it's like, it's not beneficial to me. It might be beneficial to you, but then it's like, what are you going to do with that information? So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of, but I always find there's a lot of expectation of people, like, you know, thinking that, that you should be great, grateful that they want to hear your story. And I'm like, fuck off. Oh, grateful. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Exactly. No, 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 no. It's one oh, of, God, no, 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 no. All the, um, and, but I'm trying to be as nice as possible to a lot of people. And I'm just thinking, okay, fine. I just like, I haven't got the time to come down to sorry to come to it. She's like, but, but we really want to hear about it. I'm like, Google it. Yeah, Google it. Google it and just have a conversation within yourselves about your own vaginas. But otherwise... No. I really want the list of all the questions that I now shouldn't ask you. <laughs> no, but, but but the whole thing is like, I'm fine. I'm very open about it, but it's just one of those things. And the first thing that you should like, you know, just don't ask anything about, don't ask a woman anything about her vagina if you don't know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did an interview with, uh, I was just in South Africa and I did an interview with uh, Athena Kugleno, who's a comedian. She's yeah. brilliant. And I'll have her on the podcast as well. She's so good. And the, the interviewer asked her if she wanted kids. And this was live in front of thousands of people. Yeah. And she just went, that is absolutely none of your business. Well, why is that? Quite, why is that? It's just like a, it's just a, a weird kind of, you wouldn't ask. Is she single? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Why She's would like, you? Yeah. It's just a, a weird, you probably wouldn't ask a man in that situation. Yeah. It's just like a bit of a, oh, why do I need to be in this position? And ask? It's a very personal yeah, question. Yeah, it is a very personal question. Especially if, if it has no context, if she was on like a mom's net podcast or whatever, whatever or having kids, or do you like kids? Oh, yeah, yeah, this was like a comedy thing. Oh, you're a comedian, do you want kids? Yeah. I know it's uh, it's ridiculous. But men just like people, people just do that. It's like, oh, like you know, um, or do you want to like you know, what, what, what part of your body are you unhappy about? Are you just thinking? Uh, yeah, well, I have because I've, I've done a lot of podcasting and and I often go very deep and yeah, speaking yeah. of oversharing, I'd say everything. Yeah, but there's such a difference. I did a, an episode of a podcast where I talked about uh, watching porn and it was quite. Not emotional, but kind of embarrassing or a bit. I was like, Awkward. actually, I'm going to stop watching porn. And this is a th- and yeah, it's sexuality. It is personal. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I would get these tweets from people saying, so have you wanked at porn recently? And I'd be like, whoa, no, no, no. That's not how this works. Yeah. It's a one-way thing. Like, I, I perform. I'm saying things into a microphone. That's not for you to just privately ask, ask me yeah. what I do with my sex life. No, men are just like, men are disgusting. Like, they're, they're, they're constantly touching, um, testing my heterosexuality, but I am 100% heterosexual and unfortunately I can't help it. So I'm just going, I'm just become celibate now. That's my new thing. It's like, I don't even bother. Don't like, you know, no dating, no nothing. It's just like, I'm just like, it's actually, it is, tw- it is time consuming yeah. trying to get to know somebody. Yeah. It is actually like, like one of these, like, you know, some people say, oh, so what do you do now that I said, do you know what? Do you know how much time I've actually now got just to sit around and do nothing now that I'm not even interested in dating or like, interested oh, in like, it's so like, good, isn't it? Getting married. But it's just weird. It's that I don't like, I don't care. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, then and then all these men are like, oh, but you're getting old now. So, but it's, but that's a cultural thing. Like, you know, being in my thirties and not having kids and not being married and not even like, you know, progressive, like, you know, actively seeking to get married. It's quite concerning for them. They're like, what's, go- what's, what's going on with you? What are you going to do? I said to one of the guys the other day, I swear to God, I'm happy to dry up. I will not come from, I'm happy to sit on that bloody fucking, so, you know, they sent me this thing where it's like, um, we're waiting for Mr. Right. And this oh. woman drying up and turning into a skeleton, you know, those stupid things. Oh. And I thought, I am so happy 
to dry up rather than to end up with someone like you. Yeah, but also just the thought of being, say, like 50, 60, 70, living in a house next to one of my best friends. Yeah. We'd have three dogs. We'd just have a great time, drink wine. It would be great. It would be great. I wouldn't, I, we would very, maybe once a month we'd be like, oh, penis would be lovely. Yeah. But that's it. That's it. The rest of the time we'd just have a great time. Just get on with life. Yeah. No, but if you say, you know what, mate, I'm like, I'm happy to be single. I'm happy to be single. I'm happy to be celibate. I'm like, you guys are, like, men are screwing up the world, so yeah. they're not screwing me. So that's, that's my new line. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking up the world, so they're not fucking me. But it's, just, but it's just one of those things. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's yeah maybe i shouldn't say things like that. see things like that'll probably get me killed like even though it's a joke like yeah. when i say like you know it's that whole point of like you can't like everything's so edited to who you have to be as a somali woman who you have to be as a black woman who you have to be as a muslim woman and there are people that kind of go so i would say to my friends why don't you find yourself and then find if these identities fit you rather you trying to fit yourself into identity like you know black muslim queer and you're just thinking it's like if that faith doesn't accept you, then why are you forcing yourself into a be you, do you? And if that's like, you know, like as an agnostic person, if like if the God that you believe in like out there exists, then you'll be accepting that kingdom. Otherwise, just live your life because there's nothing worse than honestly living in hell, like on, like, you know, on earth and then find out there's nothing when you die. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of it's weird because I had this really weird thing that happened to me at seven years old that just made me question everything. So I never saw myself as, so I wasn't like my white friends because of the fact that I had FGM and I realized like, you know, this was about my gender. People were really scared about me being a girl with, um, with no fear to question and to do these things. And then at the same time, I wasn't like my Somali friends because I questioned everything and I didn't want to wear a headscarf or get married. I wasn't like my African Caribbean friends because I spoke a different language and I had a different faith. I wasn't like my Pakistani friends because I came from Africa. So I was always just like, okay, I, 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 I have something in common with all of you guys, but I'm not like any of you guys. So I've never really kind of fit in with like the boys or the girls or the Asians or the blacks or the Somalis or the, the Muslims. It was just like, whatever, if we're going to like, you know, go out and do this and then yeah so it's just always it was so i just never necessarily i was fine to be to be the only one in a group and i was very comfortable in that and it was and i i didn't see it as like a um like a like a thing that was like you know oh this made me different made me better i just thought this is me i'm when people yeah so it's just it's 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 weird when i see a lot of um young people kind of like you know lost and trying to find fit into something I'm like, be wherever you want to be. Like, my niece sometimes wears a pair of jeans, a dress, a hat, and some wellies. Knock yourself out. Mm. It's just that whole thing. Like, if you want to be a farmer that's wearing a pinky dress or whatever it is. So I think it's that whole, I think the whole David Bowie thing of everybody assuming thing about something about you, but you being so comfortable with your within yourself that you can be the weirdest um, thing you are. And I think finding somebody that loves you for that for the first time or really accepts that, I think that's the most beautiful um, thing in the world. And that's something that I recently found which is kind of disconcerting because I'm not really emotionally um, intelligent enough to have a relationship. But, <laughs> but it was just like the other day, I was sitting, I was sitting, I was sitting on the tube yesterday and I, and I texted this person and I said, you know what, I really love how much you respect how weird I am but you don't question any of it. And I think he, because it's just because of the fact that they're from a similar kind of random background. And I remember once um, looked at me and I, and I was saying something very flippant and he said, why are you so bitter? And I was like, I'm not bitter. I'm just like, I'm cynical. That's British. 
And he said, yeah, why are you so good? I said, well, that's just the way that we deal with the shit that we do. Like, you know, I'm not, like, I, I understand that I'm not, um, my emotional um, intelligence is not very high. So I, we either mock everything in, in, in the UK or we just ignore it. I think the only compliment I ever took was um, when I was having this fertility um, MOT and the doctor was like, you've got beautiful ovaries. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, that was the first ever compliment I ever took was the fact that I had, I had beautiful ovaries. I, like to tell, I, I told that somebody the other day and they were like, what is wrong with you? And I said, I have no idea. But I was literally sitting there in the most, like, you know, unladylike position having this um, like you know like a cervical exam and he said oh, you've got and I, I don't even know why where he would say that but I think he just meant they were healthy he said you've got lovely he said, you, you know, he, he said you've got lovely ovaries and I, and I blushed and I said thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, so I'm sorry we've just gone into this without, you like, seem you, you seem so you seem quite strong do you think that do you think you became Strong oh, by strong, I mean you know you don't care, yeah. like you don't give a shit. Do you think that happened because of what happened to you when you were seven, and because you didn't fit into any boxes, you kind of had to become extremely strong because it was already being difficult to be something. And I, and I, I don't think I'm. Do you know what? I don't think I'm a, like you know. So I give out the perception I'm, I'm strong. I would. So I'm just about to write this, um, this so um, blog about like you know life lessons and I mm. said like you know I wish that I said I wasn't okay a little bit more I wish like you know when there was somebody that I really loved and I thought you know what I really love you we should like stay together we should go I, w- I, w- like, I wish I was more of a risk taker because the only thing that you would do is you would learn from those lessons and you learn from those mistakes I was very cautious so I, th- I think I don't think um, I was I, I'm, I'm strong I think I've just been emotionally inept And that is something that I'm very conscious about now, and I'm very kind of it's it's one of the things that I think was it's been my greatest um, not failure, but I think it's been my greatest weakness was the inability to express emotion like pain and hurt. So it comes off as strong, it comes off as dismissive, it comes off as like oh she can handle anything, but ultimately actually it is quite vulnerability, but with like a really hard shell. Yeah, it's like a, what's it called um, that little French dessert. Creme brulee, oh, <laughs> tough, like you know, or like an armadillo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so. Yeah, it's not. I'm not. I'm not that. Um, and I think that didn't, that that also had to do with FGM, and it also had to do with um, seeing war as a child. And that's one of the things that now I sit there and I see the crisis in Syria, and I was just thinking, seriously, I can relate to that so fucking much because what it does it's the fact that you end up losing so much that you you actually fear loving or wanting anything else just in case you lose it. And so yeah, so I don't, I don't and and I think that that comfortability of being um, different and being always to, able to fit in, I think it meant that so I didn't have to give a hundred percent to anything. So I've always had that ability to just walk into a room. And one of my friends is like, "Oh, you have good chat," and I says, "Yeah, because I can. I've, I've been able to make a conversation with I don't know from the prince to the pauper because I can have those superficial and all, all those deep conversations as well because I don't take myself seriously because I just I just never know how long." This person that's around me is gonna last. I just kind of just like be all like you know emotionally vague about stuff. It's like it's so weird. I've never the idea of ever telling somebody that I love them mm. like literally like you know makes me palpitate. It just kind of like freaks out, and I'll just pass out. So yeah, so yeah, so I don't no, I don't think I'm like, and I'm kind of like you know, I would have never admitted that before, but I like I I can honestly say that I'm a bit of a pussy, and that's why those um, young women being such dickheads to me like really hurt but now I'm just like 
you know what? It's cool, whatever. I've actually, I've actually admitted to myself that I love you guys and it hurts that you guys are dickheads. I'm like, I'm over it kind of um, kind of thing. It really hurt when people that I really loved and that were family members that were like, close to me um, became, like, you know, were really horrible when I started doing the FGM work. It was, it's really horrible when um, people that you know that you kind of classify as um, friends are, like, do some, like, some of the most dickheaded things. So, you know, I, so I don't, so I believe that if you apologise, so if you apologise once, then it means you should never do it again. But a lot of people just think, oh, I'm sorry, and they constantly do, do the same thing again. And I'm just thinking, that's, actually, that's not cool. That's mm. not what, that's not what friends do. Friends don't let each other down or friends are not. So it's, those are the kind of things that I'm kind of learning to say, well, do you know what? I'm really upset about that. Maybe we should talk about it. Because I would just let it fester, just never speak to people ever again. Be so upset, like so upset, and then I just like, and, I, and then and then they would just be dead to me in a, in a weird way. So yeah, I don't think I, I think I think FGM and seeing War as a Child made me like you know be very cautious with my heart and my feelings. So that's where the kind of like the weird fake strength kind of thing came from. Do you have vivid memories of the war, or is it just feelings you have? No, it was like it was literally. So I went back for the first time in May for like since 27 years, and I remember like literally like this like there's two things like you know. So I remember there's two kind of like my kind of childhood, like the smell of Dettol when I was having the FGM, which is like one of the most kind of that takes you back to that scene, and that's why when I go into a hospital setting or whatever, it's, it's like, it's like you know, it just like turns your stomach. You're like, I just really can't deal with this. And then um, the war is like, you, like, like the bombings and, and also the fact that um, leaving and coming and come, coming back to the UK. So you, you remember all that. I remember the fear of like, like, you know, not wanting to die. And I think what even kind of is more worse is, is, is worse is that when you like you know like news of certain people that you're longing for it's kind of it's kind of drip fed to you that they're de- that, that they're dead and it's one of those things you're just thinking shit then i just don't want to ask like you know where anybody else is or what anybody else is happening so yeah it's like it's and and the and i think that, and, and, and that's one of the things it's not only are we recording that stuff that's happening in Syria, those kids are going to have those memories for the rest of their lives and they're going to see that we were all watching their tweeting about it but doing fuck all about it mm. And that literally just breaks my heart. Yeah. It just enrages me. And that's one of the things why I'm really passionate with like working with help refugees and getting something done because it's, they, they're kids. Yeah. And it's so, and this is so easy. If we, if we care, it's so easy to fix. And um, one of my best friends from um, Bosnia, and he said this really interesting thing. So I went, I went to see him in, um, in Sarajevo recently. And he said, somehow I think the fact that we were a little bit whiter and our eyes were a little bit bluer actually made the West react a little bit like you know quicker yeah i that sounds yeah that sounds sadly I, correct and it's just i thought fuck that's true yeah 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 we can relate yeah it's like oh they're like kind of like us yeah they, and let's it was, do something and i think i think it made them seem a little so that's why sometimes when they like you know they, the kids that they choose it's like it's like that syrian kid with the blue eyes and it's like oh my god oh. it could be my child so it, yeah it's a weird it's 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 a weird thing that there are um like you know in sudan and there's like like this, there's the war in South Sudan, there's Iraq still happening, and it's Afghanistan. But it's just that thing of like these kids could have been those um, ones in the um, in Europe in the 1940s, so they could have been the Jewish kids. So it was just, and, and he said that, and it was just, and, and yeah. it was so poignant. And it was like because Rwanda was happening at the same time as Bosnia, but mm. look what was happening in Rwanda. Nobody really cared. 
so yeah he just says like somehow and the, and the, and the way he said it was just like so because he has it's really weird because I, I think you relate as children that have been through war there's like there there's there's two things that you have you can understand the coldness that you kind of have toward relationships and things like that but then that coldness sometimes also is about your blunt and your de- delivering certain things so we can kind of understand it so the way he said it was so dead toned and then but then then we started talking about other stuff about the people that, that killed our families and stuff and how would you feel about it and i'm one of those and i'm a pacifist and i and, and um i couldn't see myself wanting to take revenge or anything else but he was very much like he said uh, and it was just like it was so i said would you no, we, 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 we were talking about shoot i don't know how he came he said well if i'd seen the guy who tortured my father to death he said he said it'd be, it'd be easier to cut his throat than to shoot him and i thought wow Wow, the, like the hate is deep. Yeah. The, the pain the, is still surreal, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like kind of the same thing of uh, like numbing the, 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 yeah. the vulnerable feelings. It might be like a survival thing. Yeah, it, I, I, I think it literally is a survival thing. And you, and you just kind of just, just get on with it. So the whole thing about post-traumatic stress and having these kind of conversations, it's just, I, don't, I don't think anybody has those things about children of war. We just kind of get on with it. And it's, yeah, you do, like, you know, if you see, like, half your uncles with, like, their legs, because, like, the marks of war are still there in um, in, um, in um, Bosnia. And mm. um, one of the things is, like, and, 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 the, and the jokes, and he was talking about, he said that Bosnia has got, no, Bosnia has got the best um, sitting football, um, volleyball team, but the Serbs do the selection. And I was like, God, fuck. I was laughing about it. I was just thinking, why are we laughing? But it's just yeah. like, but then it's like you gotta, you gotta kind of laugh. Yeah, but that's what that's one of the things you do. You you you, you use humor, humor, which is quite. I mean, I imagine you get the word brave a lot, which is just must feel. If you're anything like me, the word brave is annoying as well. Yeah, fuck. but it's just like it's nice because I don't think I'm like I don't think I'm that brave because it's like there's I think the struggle is deeper somewhere else. I always say like the struggle is real, but like, it's <laughs> not as deep as it is for other people. And it's and, I, and those. But, are I mean, ca- but you can kind of. I mean, I could say that because yeah. I'm I'm quite privileged. But like you've you've been through some shit. Yeah. Like I think you're allowed to to take on the word brave, even though I know it must be so sometimes, annoying. No, sometimes because I think it's one of those. And even when people like you know can congratulate me for like you know doing stuff, and I was like I always feel I always say that I wish I woke up one day and I thought, okay, fine, I want to end FGM and I want to be an activist. I was just guilt that drove me, just seeing girls that could have been me that look like me, and now. I see those girls and they're and they're living like a happier life and a freer life and they're and they're like you know they're beyond the FGM and I think that is what I find beautiful and that's what I find and I'm like that is like you know that is so cool so sometimes I think like you know I had like, I was silent for so long that my silence was so complicit to the misunderstanding of of the whole thing that I feel bad about it so it's yeah so the whole thing about bravery but it was it was I'm not gonna lie it was really shit I lost a I lost a lot of things. I lost a lot of people, and it's it's like you know. I think there must be a poem in there, like you know, the things we lost in the fire. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, there are things I lost in finding about. I lost a lot of a lot of things, but thankfully, I kind of found myself in a different um, place. So I'm like less cynical. I'm less kind of like you know, I think I found I found depth in my own emotional kind of um, feelings, and that took a long time. And I don't think I could. It's one of the things I've always had. Um, like and I've always had a stutter but at the same time is talking about FGM it was used to be the hardest thing because I'd constantly be thinking 
shit, who's going to kill me for saying this? And then so you basically are like editing everything you say in your head to the point of like, I really want to talk about FGM. I really want it to end. I don't want to get killed. I don't want my um, family members that have had FGM to be offended by this. I don't. And it was just like the weirdest thing. And sometimes I just be like, people talk, people like, oh, you talk so fast. I was like, well, it's because I want to get it all out and then get out of here. <laughs> Do you, when you, you, you said be killed a few times, do you mean that like some, some, like to like exaggerate for for the understanding or do you mean actually yeah kill, actually kill? literally killed killed like murder death kill you know like what, what, what was that from the demolition man you know that bit when they were like um how old are you how old are you? <laughs> i'm 28 28 yeah but you must have seen demolition man no no should i what is yeah, it well it's like it's this film that um it was um it was like wesley snipes and um oh what's his name rocky the guy from rocky <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't so seen that. So basically, he, um, Sylvester Stallone um, is a police officer and he um, arrests this guy who's like a mass murderer. But they go, both get found guilty because there's like some kind of blow up happens. Anyway, so so the, the, the way is, and this is like, it's set in like 1991. And then, but he gets frozen. And this is the way, so they don't, so they don't put you in prison, they freeze you. So your punishment is to be frozen for like 20 years or 30 years or whatever. So um, they get frozen, then he wakes up in like 2014 or something. But anyway, so it's like, it's like, it's actually history, it's like past. And so, so, so he wakes up and there's no murder, there's no more death, there's none of these things. But what happened was that he's been programmed, so Sylvester Stallone has been programmed to learn knitting and all these things. And so, and, and, um, Wesley Snipes has been you don't even know Wesley, do you know Wesley Snipes I know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah okay so I was gonna say um, so he's been, Blade Blade yeah, yeah. So, so Blade's been programmed to do like martial arts and all this stuff anyway he gets defrosted and then he kills somebody and they've had their first death murder kill like they were like there's been death murder kill and there's like very like you know they're very like you know making the point it's like somebody's died they've been killed they've been murdered so I was like <laughs> we have kill. a definite murder so I always say um, what I say about <laughs> people when it came to FGM they tried to death murder kill me <laughs> and it was but it was like I could laugh about it but when they literally I, I remember um, the first ever interview I did was with the Evening Standard and all I, and, and I sat with that guy for two and a half hours to try to say to him oh he comes to me he's like tell me about the horrors of FGM and I was like well it wasn't really the horror it was about the experience and it's about being ignored and all these other kind of things and then um, he said um, so, so then I said to him but the flash like the smell of Dettol gave me flashbacks and because what happened was I was um, th there's this amazing woman called um, Linda who's a, who's, a, who, who's a therapist and I'd met her at the Cosmo Awards in like 2010 and it was just before like you know I hadn't openly told people that I was like in the public t like t t talking about my experience and she invited myself and um some others to her house and we were walking and we we're like you know just like and then I'm like I literally I remember I was like I had a coffee in my hand I was like talk and then walked into her house and because she'd had I don't know why there was like but there's this like the smell of death it was like disinfect and it was just like and she opened the door and, and like and I just remember trying to like center myself stop like you know pull yourself together pull yourself together pull yourself together pull yourself together and um that's just so but so anyway so i so i told this bloody um a reporter that and then and then he puts like you know he puts the death of like the smell of death hold um um gives me flashbacks and literally within 48 hours there was people like somebody offered to kill me 500 pounds wow and then a year later somebody literally hit me with a car trying to kill me and I was, and I, but it was just for me, it just it made no sense. I was like, you are, this is about me talking about my own experience. It's like, how is that like offensive, offensive to you? But what was offensive to them 
was ultimately the fact that if I started talking about it, then other women would start talking about it. Then if other women started talking about it, then they would have no, like these women would be scared and what else would they challenge and all those other kind of like weird stuff. But that was like, you know, I'm glad that I can kind of now walk down the street and not necessarily, because there was like the reason why I lived, like I lived in Putney and I lived in Tuffner Park. I was just like, I used to avoid certain places because I just didn't want to be killed. I just don't want to be like, yeah, I didn't want like you know, death, 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 murder, and kill. Death, murder, kill. On my on my head, yeah. So it was like literally, it was like it was it was it was a fucking scary time. But at the same time, I was thought, I also thought, well, if something happens to me, at least people will know. Yeah. But there's other girls out there that if they start talking about doing these things, nobody's gonna want to know or nobody's gonna care. Um, what 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 happens to them? So yeah, fuck. It was fucking scary, but it's fuck. weird. Like now being so comfortable about the fact that actually it's like if if people say stupid things to me on Twitter or if they say whatever it is it's just like there was a guy what was it about um, a year and a half ago two years ago said oh there, there needs to be a community order taken out on you and it's like is that a threat and he's like no why are you like you know why are you um, what's the word he said get over your stuff and I'm like actually you know what I said I take that as a fucking threat you've never yeah. like you know you've never had to like you know um You've never, you've never literally had a panic attack because a taxi driver took the wrong turn and you thought, oh my God, I'm going to go be in a dead alleyway and he's going to kill me and like almost jumped out of a fucking moving car. So fuck you for like telling me to stop overreacting. I think that's going to be a shock to a lot of people. I mean, that it's... That it's but the stuff that women get on, like any women, so Caroline um, CCP, um, when she, she just wanted women to be on a banknote... People wanted to rape and murder her. So imagine me challenging a, um, an organised crime against a gender like FGM. I think I think you need to say just a bit about like FGM because it sounds... So people who don't know anything about it, and I'm one of those yeah, people, yeah. I know very little about it. Of course, I know a bit because I've, I've, I've done a bit of research yeah. on you. But just like... I think what I think what will surprise people, and I say that because what yeah. I'm saying is it surprises me, which is just my yeah. way of going, oh, no, I know they don't. Yeah. It's me how much of a thing it is in the in the UK yeah I think the world, now one in 20 women in the world has had FGM one in 20 women in yeah. the world there's 200 million women and what is it so basically it's the non-medical removal or damage to the female anatomy and this is the thing about and this is the, um, the thing how patriarchy is quite smart in the sense that that is how the World Health Organization defines it it doesn't say it's an African thing or a Muslim thing or a Middle Eastern thing it's like if you do something to the female anatomy for non-medical reasoning so if you've got cancer that's a medical um, reason if you need a gender reassignment that's a medical thing so those are or if there's injury or growth within your within your genitalia that's a medical reason but these are non-medical procedures so whether it's done in a hospital or whether it's done in a bush it's exactly the same in, in, in terms of it being classified um as fgm but the reason why they count like the 28 countries in africa and now in indonesia and malaysia is that within those populations fgm is more than 40 percent so for example in egypt it's 91 percent Whoa. And seventy five of that happens. Seventy five percent of that happens in um, a medical setting within Somalia. So both the north, where I'm from, Somaliland, and um, Somalia, it's ninety eight percent. Sudan is ninety eight percent. Ethiopia, it's like eighty nine percent. So that's massive. So 
Um, but it used to be around 140 million was the was the international statistics, and uh, Malaysia and Indonesia refused to consider what they did because they said, "Oh, but we just like you know just take a little bit of skin, um, so it doesn't really count as FGM. It's not invasive as um, all these other because because the World Health Organization does define it into four different types." I never go on about the types because I think that's about putting a hierarchy of women's um, suffering and pain. I think it's, it's a bit like saying good rape or bad rape. You're mm. like, mm. it's like FGM is FGM. Mm. It's whether you've had, so I had a really invasive form of, of um, form of FGM, which almost killed me at the age of 11. But like, you know, my experience has been something that I've been able to deal with and get over. And a lot of other women haven't been able to. So how dare I say, because I've had type three FGM, some of that type. So, Type, um, type on those accounts so that's one of the things why I never really necessarily talk about um, the different types of um, FGM and um, so on so it's yeah so there's a hundred so in, in, in the UK there's about 140,000 women that have had FGM fuck yeah but that's only women from the 28 African countries in the, in, and, 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 the, um, and uh, the Middle East. But I would, ca- I would also count, if we counted the women that are in lab- getting the labiaplasty, that would probably be close to like, you know, a few hundred thousand, like you know, probably about four. Do you mean like the... Uh, um... So your lip reduction, um, the clitoris unhooding, like all these kind of like this literally non-medical procedures on, on the female anatomy. And the ironic thing is, so the um, Federation of International Gynecology, FIGO, is in London and there's a Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecology. So all, the, um, all these gynecologists mm-hmm. in the world all belong to FIGO, so, so they all sign up. So um, FIGO um, put a, um, like a statement out saying that we're really concerned that FGM is happening in, 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 in medical settings. And because they're white and privileged, all the, um, the gynecologists in the UK were like, yeah, um, um, Egypt, yeah, Malaysia. And then FIGO was like, no, 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 you too. That three pounds, wow. that, that, that three um, thousand pound surgery that, that you give to women, which is not even medically researched, that is um, FGM, and we need you to stop. They're like, oh no, but it's, but then they, they and then they were like, oh, but it's not FGM because these women consent, and there was like, there's no informed consent. Literally, you get a before and after picture. I will send you this clip called um, Dr. Fajaj privatizing your privates, and it's a parody on how they change the conversation around FGM because he tells this guy, this like, you know, this guy he says, oh, but the guy, and he says, this is what we do, and he said, but isn't that FGM? He's like, no. That is what they do over there uh. to down there. Here, we make it scientific. We make it beautiful. We make it empowering and we change the language. It's the same fucking shit. It's the same thing like there's a, there's a, there was a show on Channel, um, on channel 4 called um, One Husband, Three Wives. I'm like, you mean polygamy, abuse, domestic violence? If that guy was brown, Muslim or whatever, this is a religious nut from um, Ohio or Utah or wherever the, the fuck he's from. And it's like, that's the same thing that they do in the Middle East, but we're condemning that. You can actually still, there's still child marriage within states in America. So the legal age of marriage in certain places in America is 16. Not 16, 13. 13. And nobody, like, you know, nobody talks about those things. There's like, there's like women being murdered because they have, um, they're, they're not virgins. Hello, that's honor killings. So it's, it's, it's one of these things that we always try to separate women. And, and, and uh, when I worked for UNICEF, uh, Danish Refugee Council, uh, they talked about how the age of when you were allowed to be a soldier in yeah. America was, I feel like it was 17 or something, which is some kind of uh, like child, child, child soldier yeah. as well. And America's, America and Saudi Arabia are the only two civilized or two countries in the world that um, 
like you know execute uh, minors when they so you can still get the death penalty if you commit a crime as a minor. But but no, no but America is so first world and so civilized. They've literally just like their president is a man. And that's one of the things that's like, do you know what? I really respect and I love Hillary Clinton. So it's, Hillary Clinton can now literally walk away and say, it's not me, it's you guys. You actually have a fucking issue with a woman in power, men. I want to do. I want to do a really like you know a thing of like you know I want to like sit down like you know what's it? let's let, let's talk about white men because they're really scared. they're so scared that they're literally pissing all over the place, and it's this whole point of the fact that they may no longer be on the top of the food chain mm. and that scares the f- they, they are so scared they're willing to do all these things like the starting f- fucking proxy wars and rape and like it's just like like Donald Trump be Hillary Clinton we voted for Brexit because we wanted to um, get our country back from who you fucking dickheads you guys were the you were the empire for years and you were taking everybody's country. so that's my new thing it's like that's why I'm I'm like screw you it's like you guys are just so like, you know, toxically um, confused and you're not the best. You've never been the best. A lot of things were invented well before you guys. So, like, but like, bye. Like, like, the world did not start in the 17th century. Like, you know, Africans and Arabs and um, North America. So First Nation people were all around the world doing really amazing things. Like, even like, you know, the Vikings. And, like, honestly, they just literally, the British thing, they started everything. It's like, oh, and even, I'm, I'm, I, there, are, there are bloody toilets or like pyramids or whatever, older than the bloody country of America. But yeah, America thinks it's actually started everything. It's quite extraordinary, isn't yeah. it, with America? Like no one believed, all my liberal friends, no one believed that he would actually win. They were like, it's impossible. And then, but because I'm from Denmark, yeah. where sexism is, like feminism is a bad word and sexism is just everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. But see, but you do good, good PR because you think all the Danish men are all like, you know, great uh. and like liberal. <laughs> No. Yeah. At the, at the moment, because I have a I have a, a fat acceptance uh, organization in Denmark, and I get these Google alerts every time someone mentions me. And at the moment, all the Danish youth politicians hate me, and it's hilarious. They'll take any tweet that I make and be like, "Sophie Hagen is now sexist towards men." Interesting. Like, no, you're stupid. They're really dumb. It's it's hilarious in a lot of ways because I don't care about them, but. Uh, when I had a discussion with one of my liberal friends before the election yeah. and he said there's no way he'll win because women mm. like what yeah women would never vote for him like oh you've never met women you've never met, you've never you'd have never heard of internalized misogyny yeah. like, I wasn't misogyny, uh, misogynist till I was 22 you know and like if anyone hates women it's women because we can we think we can gain from it you know? but, like, the, but if but, we're not feminist you know people think that you know, I get a lot of trolls who are yeah. women who will go, oh, you know, no, no, I'm not like, yeah, women suck, but I'm not like the the other women. Yeah, but, and, and that's, but no, but that's one of the things, that's what I mean about these girls that who are, like, you know, I love and I care about, and at the same time, they're, they're, they're the ones that are um, trolling me the most. And you're just thinking, it's like, you know I'm what, on I'm your quite, side. I'm, exactly, I'm on your side. And it, and it is that thing, and it's a thing when people always say to me, like, you know, oh, F, but FGM is done by women. And I said, but women don't have the power. Yeah. They might carry it out, but they don't have the power. Yeah, they wouldn't and, have made the initial decision if yeah, men had never been around. Exactly. And also, the thing, the best way to legitimize pain is to repeat it. Mm. So, you, and because, because, because I always think to, um, like, like within, within my South Asian families and like friends and things that I know, I always look at, like, you know, mother in laws when they're really horrible. I'm like, if, if you were once a daughter in law and you suffered that pain, why? But then that's the only power she has. Wow. 
yeah, so I just sad, I want to say cycle of abuse. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's the same thing. Yeah, it is a cycle. It is, a, but it's 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 that thing. It's the only and it, and it, and, it's, and it's really hard to kind of step out of that and just kind of and I and I've realized in terms of the way that I've even talked talk about FGM now. And I remember I had this. Um, so my mother and I didn't speak for a long time because she was very um, angry about me talking about FGM and doing what I did. And um, ultimately, I kind of understood that I was going about going on about something that she had no power in changing she was 27 when i had fgm that's like literally like five years younger than i am now and the and within the context of like where she grew up and everything else it's like she was disempowered disengaged but then she empowered me to be who i am so here i am having this conversation about something that she hasn't probably unpacked and I've spent like 14 years of my life like just basically unpacking and just like studying nothing yet. So I realised that sometimes when you have to talk to your mum as just a woman, because mm. we forget that it's the fact that it's just a woman and, it, and, I'm, and I'm always constantly, even like, you know, um, the, the thing about pain and everything. so one of my, so one of my um, friends, her mother passed away recently and um it's this thing of her father, like her stepfather's like really like in pain and stuff. And he's just thinking, actually, but nobody owns the pain. Like, she might be your mother, but she was also the love of his life. Mm. So it's it's that weird thing of people like, you know, but who gets the sympathy or whatever it is. And, it's, and you have to look at the multifaceted role that women take in people's, or anybody takes in people's lives. And how that kind of so I'm so that's kind of and I think I don't think I did that and I and as a child you don't do that because you just assume everything's about you mm. and then the older you get you might unpick that but you don't necessarily unpick it in the way that you talk to people like you know like your mother or like your auntie or your whatever it is it's like how do you engage in so I think learning to love like you know really truly as a grown up might be like yes that's my new kind of weird journey learning to love yeah i know yeah and just like accepting the fact that and be loved yeah i think that's the hard i can easily love yeah. be loved that's the hard to let somebody in yeah <sighs> it is it's like we're so undeserving we're so unworthy and i think that is the thing is actually to scary. say that you're worthy it's so scary yeah i think but th- i think that's a powerful thing to say that like you know i am worthy of love sounds so fucking hippie and american but i think it's something no i'm just scared of it you yeah because one thing is saying it but feeling it and yeah and letting yourself go yeah and that kind of that massive level of vulnerability but i think there's nothing to fear but fear itself and if you fall you will get back up or you might just have to dust yourself up a little bit but you can just like literally just fall and and it's not even in the physical sense it's that but don't like you obviously at the same time i wouldn't um encourage anybody to be a a total um idealistic romantic like you know birds birds like you know singing and all that kind of shit it's like no like one of my one of my um, brother's friends posted this photo yesterday of him like really smiling and I was like why are you smiling <laughs> what is wrong with you and he's like and he said oh, and then the thing was like what's wrong with you and I was like honestly I said that's, I said, that's a bit offensive it's like that's just like, like have you not like wearing Brexit what, why the fuck are you smiling you're not even drunk it was just like what is it was just like it was weird. There's no photos. If you look, if you look, there's no photos of me smiling. I don't do it. It's not brand. It's not brand Nimco to smile. But I was just like really offended by how how big his grin was. I thought, what? Are you? I was taken aback. And I said, so I said, to him, I'm going to report. So then we made a whole joke about saying I'm going to report you to Facebook. This is a bit disturbing. <laughs> and he's um and then so then we started thinking about it. And I was like, actually, yeah, it's just that whole thing of just like just unnecessary. Like it's quite irritating when somebody's unnecessarily happy. I mean, I. I 
I don't know what to say. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire like, life. So why are you so, like you know why are you so positive? It's just like don't be positive. Like, you need I quite I quite I think I relate to some extent. I talked to a friend of mine and he was talking about like marriages and stuff, yeah. whatever. And he said, um, he just said something like, "Oh, I wouldn't mind proposing to someone just like on a bus." in the rain in the afternoon oh, just not even down on one knee just be like hey you want to get married and that broke my heart I was like that is ideal that is ideal that is what I would want that it's your moment together I would hate anything bigger than that like that is if I was ever to get married which I have no intention yeah. of hope of idea anyway, it doesn't even matter I've never I don't think it ever crossed my mind until that moment because every time you see it it's like down on one knee in front of a thousand people and da, da, da. and when he said that I was like ah. Oh, I think that's the kind of love that yeah. I would want. And it's the, the kind of love, like, I think the first person that I kind of loved, and it's like, you know, and he's like, he's like you're, fucking, you're a fucking asshole, but I love you. And it's like, well, I love you too, fuck you. Exactly. Perfect. Just go. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. But that is that that is the kind of things that is, I think that is like true, like British love where you can, and I always say, I think in a relationship, I don't need to like you every day, but I need to respect you. Yeah. And I think respect is really key to me. And I think that's why when I was like, you know, when I did this, like, whole mushy thing to this person I was like my god like, like you really do actually respect me and it's not like you know it's not like a typical guy you know oh here's a picture of my there was there was, there was one of my friends said something funny the other day she um she posted a picture for me um and then and then I said to, and, then, and then I thought she was she, she, she was gonna post a picture of me and Nigel Farage because there's this picture of me and Nigel Farage and she said I would never send unsolicited dick, dick, dick pics and I was like that yeah. is like the best <laughs> dick pic um thing that I've um <laughs> I've heard but yeah it's just like it's it's really it's really really bizarre I think getting into this age now and like with Brexit and everything else like you know anger and kind of stuff is something that I'm kind of yeah I think love and be worthy being worthy of love but I'm not gonna sit under a tree and say I, I am worthy but we'll see yeah my, my therapist wanted me to look in the mirror and say I am beautiful and I was like you can go fuck yourself <laughs> that's not happening see I've, I've I can try and that and feel it and everything but yeah. I'm not standing in front of a mirror saying you are beautiful Sophie that's not gonna happen but do you not look at yourself and say, like, actually, I don't look that bad? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, think yeah, it. I'll yeah. be like, oh, damn, that's yeah. good. But I w- wouldn't stand in front of a mirror and sell myself out loud. No, you I think, are beautiful. I don't, I, think that, I don't think that's good. Well, do you know what? I'd be, it'd be really, like, you know, do, do, do that. And then somebody British walks past and yeah. says, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Get out. Get yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. You're the reason we voted Brexit. Yeah, exactly. Get out. Get out. Take this shit back to Denmark. With, like, you know. Or you'd walk past and be like, where the fuck are you smiling? Yeah. Why are you, like, why are you so happy? Why it's like, it's a, it's a, it's, like honestly, if I, if I walked into a room of really grumpy people, I feel comfortable. If it's like everyone's yeah. smiling, thinking, yeah, yeah, what's happening? Like what? Yeah. The, like what? The, like what the hell's going on? No, but actually, I've never had therapy. I've always like I, I thought like you know after I stopped doing the um, like a really low time when I was doing the FGM, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe, maybe I should do some therapy. But I was like, I don't know. I don't know where. The, I think going back, like you know, facing fears and like going back home and facing a lot of things. I think that was my that was kind of my, my therapy because I knew what I needed to do. I didn't need somebody else to tell me. Like I didn't need to look into a mirror and say you're beautiful, whatever it is. I just needed to kind of like stop internalizing everything mm. and just kind of do it and I just thought okay fine I'm going to go back to Africa and if they don't like me they don't accept me then fuck it that's fine I'm just going to have to deal with it I'm going to cry it's going to be painful but I would rather know than not know mm. it's like getting back with my ex I was like I'd rather know than not know and within a week I knew he was a dickhead I was like fucking I broke up with you for a reason <laughs> you are sh- like, honestly you sometimes you need that to figure that out yeah and it's just like, and it is the whole kind of thing is like that you are actually kind of yeah you are a dickhead and it's Tobias but it's but otherwise you always be holding it out there saying oh there's this like you know what if I had given it a go what if what if you're like yeah that's not 
you just kind of let yourself kind of down and go. Yes, yeah, so I think you know, I think it's, it's that thing of just like not being overcritical about yourself. I think that's uh, leads uh, leads us perfectly into the last question, which yes. I always ask people. Uh, and I still haven't found a way to phrase it properly. But <clears throat> so here's the thing. So you, this is your opportunity to say something to yourself as a baby. So when mm. you, when a baby comes out screaming because there's light and sounds yeah. everywhere and it's all terrifying. So the little baby, little baby Nimco is terrified and scared. So you know what's going to happen in the next uh, 34 years yeah. of this baby's life. And you can't change anything. Yeah. So you can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't change it, whatever it's going to do. Life will happen the way it will happen. Yeah. But you can say something to the baby that might calm it down. Yeah. What would you say to little baby you? Believe in yourself. And like really believe in yourself. Don't just like, don't do that whole thing of fake it till you make it. Just kind of like, just really. And also actually, you know, and, and really forgive yourself as well. I think forgiveness is key and we are so fucking hard on ourselves. And I think that's one of the things that... I always tell, like, you know, young people, like, the fact that you believe in yourself and there's a lot of people that believe in you and forgive yourself. Because you do, you make a mistake and then you carry that. You, it's not necessarily the mistake you carry with you. It's the, it's the, it's the mental, like, the, the, the inability to forgive yourself. So I've done a lot of things which I'm not necessarily proud of. And there's a lot of things that, like, you know, like, you know, what the hell were you doing? But just going to forgive myself and it's fine sometimes to have that cringy, cringy moment you know do you get that cringy it's like oh my god I can't believe mm. I did that but yeah forgive, honestly yeah forgive yourself is that something you still need to be told no because I'm I'm doing that a little bit more in that kind of thing of like you know just like kind of um, forgiving myself but it's just it's it's that whole point I've also kind of learned not to do like you know make make the kind of the same kind of mistakes and everything else and yeah and, and, and yeah it's just like forgive yourself and yeah don't be hard don't be believe in yourself don't be so hard on yourself and give yourself a break. I think those are three kind of key things that I would take away with me and kind of keep on going. Because it will kind of teach, like, so whether you fail an exam, whether you need to get into university, whether you do all those things, like, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, you know, get over it and just kind of forgive yourself. And just like, yeah, it's like, I think, yeah, self-care is really key. So that, that, that would be, hopefully, it's like, you know, not a mumbling kind of way of saying it. That's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, People should buy your book. Yes, when it comes out in October, hopefully. Can you pre-order it? I think you can pre-order. No, no, you can't. Pre-order, yeah. You can't pre-order it. But what I am, what I have done is that I'm, um, I so I went back to, um, so I wrote an ep- help um, with an episode of Call the Midwife um, recently about FGM, which is like episode six. But I'm not sure if it's the, um, on it. but anyway, so I went to Somaliland and there's women that are dying from lack of um, like safe blood transfusion things. So I'm so I'm raising trying to raise ten thousand pounds. So we're at seven thousand two hundred and twenty eight pounds. So it's so near yet so far. So there's a GoFund page called yes. Saving Mothers Lives. Saving Mothers Lives. Or if you just Google, Google my name and um, GoFund me, and, and I'll put it on the in the show notes yes, as well. Please. So on uh, MadeofHumanPodcast.com, yeah, the episode please. it'll be there. As yeah, well. yeah. So that's 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 the kind of thing that I'm really passionate about because there's like these women just like bleeding to death. Yeah. And we can save 50% of those women just with like getting that £10,000. We'll do that. Yeah. Definitely. And get ready for the book. It's got, oh, a, it's got an amazing cover. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much for no, doing thank this. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, doing this podcast is my favorite thing to do in the whole world. And I love it because I kind of get to make all the decisions. Um, I spend hours editing it. Uh, or I, <laughs> I'm trying to find someone to do it for me because 
it takes up so much time and I'm, I'm, I don't want to keep uh, getting the episodes out too late. Uh, so, and that's, I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to say is thank you for supporting the podcast. And you're doing that by either sharing it on social media, telling your friends, leaving five-star reviews on iTunes. Um, but what really, really, really helps is when you, when you donate. I feel bad asking for money because it, I'm a human being and that's weird. Uh, I'm not a psychopath, so it feels weird asking for money. But I hope you think it's worth something. And you can go on patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. And you can decide how much you want to give per episode. You just sign up once and then it, it deducts it uh, automatically from your card. And it means the world. It's it's like everything. It's so... So if you get... you you can There's a special thing you can do. <laughs> and I... So this is what's going to happen. If you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, which means um, you get access to Patreon-only content, which is like videos and extra episodes. And uh, you also get a shout-out at the end of the episode, which sounds like a nice thing. It's not. It's me butchering your name. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> a huge thank you to the following people. Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Winkrith, Victoria Greer, Marnie Biles, Olivia Hove, Zoe Cumberland, Joe C., Jane Young, Robin Kappa, James Frew, Helen Galliard, Karen Threthway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sergor Larsen, Lucy, Inger Ellingsen, Imogen Wilson, Maddie Searle, Just Justine Hughes, Andrea Papillon, Caleb Melchior, <laughs> My next guest, Sack. That's not your name, Sack. My next guest, oh, Sack, just Sack. Jessica, you can choose your own names on this. That's uh, some people are trying to <laughs> to make this even worse for me. Jessica Stuhlfire, Meg, Emma Chan, Sylvia Novak, Georgia Brown, Kathy Beveridge, uh, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo, Ashton Cronin, Claire, Danny Beckett. Uh, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Rachel, Grace Suther. Oh, I met someone who knew Grace Suther who came to my gig. Hi, Grace. Kat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Imi, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Iceseth, Cherie Dunphy, and Daniel Reiferscheid. I saw Daniel Reiferscheid's name on Twitter, and I was like, that's you with the name that I'm trying to say every week. <laughs> so... Thank you so much to all of you for uh, for donating via Patreon. If you don't uh, want to use Patreon, you can give like a one-off donation on madeofhumanpodcast.com uh, or buy a t-shirt or give me money when you meet me. No, that would be weird. Would that be weird? It would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? So thank you uh, so, so much for all of your support. I love doing this and I uh, love you all very much. And I want to say a big thank you to... Bailey Leonard for my jingle and to Linda Brinkhouse for my logo and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. See you next week. Bye. Bye.